Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. The woke madness in history education is off the rails. Well, how do we change it? McClanahanAcademy.com. And because you listen to this podcast, if you use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout, you get 25% off every day, all day, 365 days a year on every class at McClanahanAcademy.com. So go to McClanahanAcademy.com, use coupon code PODCAST at checkout, and get a real history education at 25% off. If you like this podcast and you want it without advertisements, head over to Patreon.com and become a member of The Brian McClanahan Show. For 10 bucks a month, you get all the podcasts ad-free, including video, and you also get a special Q&A podcast. I'm only going to answer your questions, your listener-generated episodes, through those Q&As. So head over to Patreon.com, get this podcast ad-free, no ads, not even things like this, and you really do help support The Brian McClanahan Show with really cool stuff on the back end. The Founding Fathers are under attack. Who knew in 2009, when I wrote my first book, The Politically Incorrect Guide to the Founding Fathers, that George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and a litany of the other Founding Fathers would be under assault today? Well, I did, and that's why I wrote that book. It's my first. It's still my bestseller. Go on out and pick it up whenever books are sold online. The Politically Incorrect Guide to the Founding Fathers. You'll really enjoy it. Time Magazine says Texas can't secede. Well, that's it. That's the final word. I'll talk about that on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. All right, look. We know that secession's been in the news a lot because of Nikki Haley. I mean... If Nikki Haley was trying to script this, I don't think she could. This is the best publicity she's ever gotten because she said things about the war and secession. And of course, the left is fixated on this stuff. And they're going to write on it, write about it. I mean, we know that she was on Saturday Night Live, as I'm recording this a few days ago. And she says the war is about slavery. We know that last week she had made some comments about secession. And of course, I talked about this on yesterday's program, and those comments went viral that she said, well, Texas can leave if they want. And then, of course, a couple of days later, she backtracks in a political piece and says, no, Texas can't secede. Nikki Haley is the most notorious slip-flopper in the entire campaign. I mean, she's awful. She's worse than Joe Biden. At least Biden says stupid things and doubles down on them. Nikki Haley says things that are correct and then backtracks. Because she thinks that she's getting damaged politically. What kind of person do you want? I mean, what does this say about her? When she takes damage politically, she backtracks. In other words, she has no principles. Nikki Haley will say anything Nikki Haley thinks will either get her ahead, or if it's taking damage, will mitigate the damage. This is the sad thing about Nikki Haley. It's it's awful. right? We... we uh, 
we're seeing in real time the effect of uh, non-principled politicos running for major offices. Nikki Haley is awful. And no one should even cast one vote for her. That's how bad she is. But that said, it does allow for great podcast fodder because I can either talk about Nikki Haley and all the stupid things she says, or I can talk about the left and how they react to these things. So we've got another article at Time Magazine. There's one at The Atlantic I will probably do at some point too, maybe tomorrow, from our good old friend, the myth, the Conley General Adam Sewer. So we'll get into that one hopefully at some point very soon. But... This piece at Time Magazine is absolutely hilarious. And I say it's absolutely hilarious because of the authoritarian nature of it. And what do I mean by that? Well, this guy is going to give you the authoritative position on secession. He's going to tell you the way it is because he knows a thing or two about it. He knows a thing or two about it. He's going to let you know he knows a thing or two about it. And I'm talking about, of course, that great constitutional and uh, scholar and well-known historian, Philip Elliott. Now, of course, if we had establishment historians on here, they'd be just as bad. But Philip Elliott. Now, I'd never heard of Philip Elliott before this. Obviously, he works for time. I looked him up. He's got a journalism degree uh, and a Master's of Liberal Arts. And Philip Elliott is uh, the authority on whether Texas can secede. In fact, this particular title made me laugh out loud. No, Texas can't secede. It's written like a uh, like a social media post on you know Twitter post. This is how people write on Twitter if you go over there. This is how people No, Texas can't secede. Or maybe I don't know, a 14-year-old, you know, little juvenile paper. I mean, this is what it's written like. It's ridiculous. No, Texas can't secede. And the border fight is about politics more than policy. But that first part, no, Texas can't secede. Like, he is the authority. Philip Elliott. With his master's degree in liberal studies. I mean, when I think constitutional scholarship, I think Philip Elliott. Now, if this was coming from you know some legal scholar, okay. I mean, I could disagree with him, uh, and I probably would because you know you've got Bill O'Reilly. No, Texas can't succeed, as we talked about yesterday. Of course, doesn't even know that the difference between secede and succeed. But hey, who's who's uh, quibbling here? But Bill O'Reilly is just as bad. So you've got somebody on the quote unquote right saying this. Now you got somebody on the quote unquote left saying it. You've got Nikki Haley backtracking. Why? What are they really afraid of here? What is the real fear about saying that, you know, if Texas wanted to, it could leave the Union. It would undermine the entire leftist agenda. You see, the real thing that's going on here, and this is what I focus on that American progressivism course that I've got out right now, and today... You're getting into the last days where you can pick it up for 99 bucks using the coupon code PROGRESSIVES. But the thing is, the progressive agenda has always been about centralization. And if you cannot centralize, if there is a threat to centralization, it destroys their entire worldview. Now, O'Reilly's position was, this is going to create chaos and anarchy. What, 50 countries? 
No, he wouldn't. Because what eventually you would have is, of course, some states would leave and they would form, uh, you know, an alliance with other states. For example, I think if California, Oregon, and Washington left the Union, they would form some type of Pacific Coast Confederacy. You would have it. Uh, if Texas left, I think you would get Oklahoma to leave. I think there would be a couple of states that would join Texas in kind of a, you know, mid-North American Confederacy. It would happen. You would still have the United States. I think states would still be part of that. I don't think you would have 50 states. Now, you could. I mean, every state could secede at that point. But I think that there is, overall, uh, in the United States, a desire for some type of union among states because, well, like-minded states that you could have some type of common cause, maybe a common trade zone or uh, maybe common defense. You could do these kind of things. If they had similar political cultures. This is why some writers after the war were still talking about regional governments within the government. Because you would allow these regional governments to have an economy. Maybe uh, you know some type of dedication to certain principles. And others would do something else. You wouldn't have control over unlike places. So New England, for example, couldn't control the South and vice versa. You might have gotten that. But... We really need to have these conversations because, and one way I agree with the article, it's about politics, but he's using the incorrect term. It's about power. The border fight is about power, not politics. <clears throat> it's about power. The federal government wants to be supreme. You have a threat to the Biden administration. They're going so far as to say, that's Texas land. This is what I talked about with, with um, Bill O'Reilly. He doesn't even know what's going on. Or that's federal land. It's not federal land. It's Texas land. And you know what? As I said, Texas can keep board building a wall all along their border. They can do whatever they want. States could take state property and build a wall anywhere they wanted to. At any time, they could do it. At any time. Because they have control over state property. So if Texas was to use eminent domain and buy up every inch of land along the, along the Rio Grande and put up a great big wall and have no access points all along Texas, they would have to move into Arizona, you know, New Mexico, California. It would move down the border. And at that point, it's not Texas's problem anymore unless they're going around the wall, say in Arizona, but they could kind of curve it around and you'd have to move up. The general government could do nothing about it. Not one thing. Now, of course, they could say, well, they could put up a little station maybe on the other side of the wall. If they say we control the land on the other side of the wall up to the Rio Grande, they could put a little processing station there and then draw, put a road and kind of go around. But they're not going to do that. That'd be a big pain in the butt. They won't do it. So Texas would block any kind of illegal entry into Texas from the southern border. It would happen. But the larger question, can Texas secede? Absolutely. Any state in the United States can secede from the Union if it chose to do so. Nikki Haley was actually right when she said this. She wasn't incorrect. The problem is that she does. she's not principled. She doesn't even know what she's doing. There was a piece I saw in, the, in Politico where, of course, she backtracks on this and Politico writes about it and the Politico writer is saying, well, you know, secession, she's from South Carolina. This is what they all do. And she's a lost causer. And you know, in South Carolina, that was the home of John C. Calhoun, the man who came up with secession. False. These people are so stupid. They don't, they don't know any history. They don't know anything. 
They just know, well, we learned in grades, we learned in junior high school that John C. Calhoun was the father of the Confederacy. False. He didn't come up with secession. In fact, the founding generation came up with secession. Over and over again. I mean, the whole reason we have the Constitution that was ratified is because there were Virginians like George Washington and Edmund Randolph, who thought that Virginia was going to leave the Union in 1787 and 1788. They were out. Right? They were going to leave. The Union was not going to have Virginia included in it. It wasn't going to be part of it anymore. And we know as, as early as you know, 1794, you've got New Englanders saying we got to leave. John C. Calhoun didn't come up with secession. That's how dumb these people are. They don't know anything. And of course, there are authorities, though. It's the authoritative nature, the authoritative tone of these particular pieces that makes me laugh every time I read them. So let's get into this by Philip Elliott. First up, a necessary fact check before we go any further. So we've got, we've got community notes now. Texas cannot just up and quit the United States. Really? So, Philip Elliott, the definitive source on Texas secession, has spoken. First up. The guy writes like he's about 14 years old. This is loser journalism of the highest order. But anyways, even so, here we go again with ellipses. Even so, here we go, ellipses again. I'm surprised you didn't throw in a sigh at the first part of this. Brackets, sigh, first up. Or, or, checks notes. You know, uh, Texas can't, checks notes, secede. This is how these people write. It's ridiculous. It was 15 years ago that Texas Governor Rick Perry had had snapping across the country for pushing the idea that his state could secede. Heads snapping across the country. What the hell does that even mean? Heads snapping? Heads snapping. I don't even know what that means. How does a head snap? <laughs> this guy's working for Time Magazine. He has a journalism degree from, I don't know, I think Georgetown, actually, Georgetown University. And, uh, or, or maybe that's his master's degree. I don't know. He has a journalism degree from somewhere. I can't remember now. I looked at it a couple of days ago. But regardless, this is what passes for journalism today in 2024. We are a republic. We, want, we were a standalone nation. And one of the deals was we can leave anytime we want. Perry wrongly told tech visitors in Austin back in 2009, so we're kind of thinking about that again. His vague comments were initially met with laughter, as we must have been joking. Perry wrongly told tech visitors. Wrongly. Well, is it wrong? I mean, wasn't Texas a standalone nation? Of course. Anytime you have a, a state accede to a document, it can secede from the document. It's not a... It's not a contract that you can't get out of. It's a contract between the states. It says it in the Constitution. So, 
If a state decides to leave, it can. That's called self-determination of the people of the state. It can do that anytime it wants. Any state can in the United States. They all can. Now, there's been arguments, of course, well, only the original 13 could do this. Anything else that came in, maybe Texas, because Texas was an independent country. What about Hawaii? What about Alaska? Hawaii in particular. Can Hawaii leave? I mean, it was an independent kingdom. You're saying Hawaii can't leave because it was annexed by the United States? I mean, by the way, you could make a case illegally. I mean, you know, so... Is Hawaii then stuck forever? This is how bad these arguments are. It's all about power. You see, it's a threat. Secession presents a threat to Philip Elliott for some reason. Because Philip Elliott believes that every inch of territory, you see this on social media when people start talking about it, that's ours. The people can certainly leave, but that's our land. It is? I don't have any claim to Texas. I don't live there. None of that land's mine. I don't own a single inch of it. I don't own a single millimeter of that if we just want to go to this stupid metric system. I don't own any of it. It's not mine. It's Texas's. It's the people of Texas. Just like they don't own a single millimeter of any inch of any part of land here in the state where I reside. They don't own any of it. It's not theirs. It's the people of the state where I reside. This is our land. Right? So this is ours. Not Texas's, not Massachusetts. Not California, it's ours. Just like Texas is theirs. I don't own anything in California, anything in Massachusetts, it's theirs. They do with it what they want. They don't want to be part of the United States anymore. That's where they live. It's self-determination. It's the bedrock of America. The entire entire structure was formed on it, self-determination. But yet, the progressives can't let it happen because it is all about power. They need the centralization. Their, Their dream of centralization has to be met because that's the only way they can assure that their uh, their progressive utopia here on earth they talked about it over and over again it is the key to understanding it all a few months later fewer were laughing when perry tossed an off-handed dog whistle <laughs> again this guy is such a poor writer How the heck did he get this job? For Tea Party-styled activists when asked about secession, I thought dog whistle was like a... I thought that term was outdated now. I thought that was very early 2000s. I don't know. Maybe it's not anymore. If Washington continues to thumb their nose at the American people, you know, who knows what may come out of that. But Texas is a very unique place, and we're a pretty independent lot to boot, he told my then-Associated Press colleague Kelly Shannon. Oh, he's going back now. He's saying, well, I was working for the AP back then. My then Associated Press colleague, Kelly Shannon. I mean, I'm going back now. I was working for AP 10 years ago. I was doing that, or, you know, 15 years ago. Look, this is how long I've been in this game. (laughs) This is the worst bit of journalism in many cases, I've ever seen. Again, to be clear. To be clear. This is what you get on social media. Again, to be clear. It's like he's tweeting this thing. There's no basis in this notion 
that Texas could ditch its ties to the United States on a whim. Yet the myth has endured, and Perry's successor, Greg Abbott, has not only picked up that breakaway pluck in recent weeks, he's escalated it to the point of belligerence. The federal government has broken the compact between the United States and Texas, Abbott said, as he invoked a novel theory that Texas is currently under invasion and thus has the right to self-defense, even if that means defying federal authority. Well, it's not a novel theory. I mean, it is. You've got people pouring over the border. The founding generation would have said the exact same thing. And, of course, as I've already said, uh, Greg Abbott needs to understand the compact fact. He needs to understand what that actually means. It's not a compact between the United States and Texas. It's a compact between the states. It says it in Article 7. That statement was the latest volley in a fight that has already reached the U.S. Supreme Court after Texas blocked federal officials from cutting razor wire installed along the border so they could reach uh, migrants, some in need of medical aid. Uh, Well, I mean, I guess they could go on their federal land and go get to them. I mean, they just can't go through that state property. It's on state property. I mean, what's the difference? You can put, look, Texas can put up razor wire anywhere it wants on its property. And the feds can't cut it if it's on state land. You show me in the Constitution where it says they can do that. Where the federal government is supreme and it can just do anything it wants on state land. Show me. There isn't anything there. Oh, oh, oh the supremacy clause, McClanahan, supremacy clause. Here it is right there, supremacy. They're supreme in everything. Of course, only in laws made in pursuance of the Constitution. So where in the Constitution, again, does it say that the federal government has the authority to go onto state land and supersede any state law or control state property? They can't. They can't. So if razor wire is set up on state property, they can't do anything about it. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court said. At all. If if the federal government wants to go on federal land, if they want to fly a helicopter in and land it on federal land, well, then Texas can't really do anything about that, can they? But if it's not federal land, which, of course, the Attorney General of Texas has pointed out in a very long letter, then, well, how is this even an issue for the U.S. Supreme Court. It's not. Abbott also ordered local officials to step up their work to police migrants crossing into Texas, a move that is provocative as it is likely beyond the scope of his power. Really? It's not. The state police in Texas can see who's in Texas. They can, they can, I mean... This now we can this would this would anger libertarians and but you know you can have state police set up we we've seen this roadblocks and other things you can check who's here you can check who's here legally or not I mean you can do these things you can ask for these things I mean that's debatable but certainly what they're doing here more than anything else is enforcing federal immigration law if there are immigration laws on the books the state police the state can actually enforce those laws. You're saying that state police can't enforce federal law? Of course they can if they want to. Now, they don't have to, but they can. This is the Supreme Court. I mean, this was back in the 1840s they said this. Last year, the state legislature established what is basically a state-level deportation system outside the federal system meant to vet those seeking to emigrate as refugees. But they're really not refugees, are they? 
I mean, they aren't. They're not asylum seekers. And in order for that to work, there has to be an actual war. I mean, there has to be some things going on. This just doesn't work. Okay. We all know it. This isn't about asylum or refugee status. To be sure, to be sure, that federal, that federal system is under a crush of migrants. Border apprehensions top 2 million in fiscal years 2022 and 2023. Why? Why? Because Joe Biden, when he first became president, said the door's open. Come on in. So what happened? They came on in. And now we're having to deal with a crush of things. U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement deported more than 142,000 individuals during the most recent fiscal year. Almost 18,000 of those were families, surpassing the 14,000 whom President Donald Trump deported in his last fiscal year in office. Well, why? Because we didn't have as many people coming across the border. It was a far cry from how candidate Joe Biden sought the White House with pledges of pausing deportations while working with Congress to handle an estimated 11 million immigrants in the country illegally. So think about it. We're saying, well, we've, we've got a problem right now. And, but you know what? We've deported 142,000 people out of 11 million illegally here. <laughs> uh, the math is not very good on that situation. If, there, if there's 11 million people here illegally, there should be 11 million deportations. Not 142,000, but 11 million. 11 million deportations. If you come in the United States illegally, then you should be deported immediately. It shouldn't be. Well, you know, we've, we've deported um, about 1% of the people coming in here. But, you know, uh, we're doing our job. We've got, a, we got 1% of the 99 of the 100% in. We're, we got them out. Abbott's posture is doing a lot more than just causing headaches in the, in the White House. It is resonating powerfully with the GOP's far-right faction while sending scholars and historians alike scrambling to disprove his wrong depictions of Texas and American history, only to come back to the real world with a tinge of regret for even humoring it. What does that even mean? It's sending scholars and historians, not, not Philip Elliott, because he's neither one, scrambling. Of course, no links there. No links about scholars and historians because... Now they're coming back to the real world with a tinge of regret for even humoring it. Who is? The scholars and historians? Or Texas? Or Philip? I mean, I don't know who's coming back to the real world. Um, because the argument is, well, Texas v. White. Texas v. White. Civil War. Uh, that's it. That's their argument. It's a really poor argument. Abbott's allies have fallen over themselves to join in on the standoff. South Dakota Governor Christy Noem on Wednesday offered to send her state National Guard troops as backup. The United States of America is in a time of invasion, Noem said. The invasion is coming over our southern border. The 50 states have a common enemy, and that enemy is the Mexican drug cartels. They are waging war against our nation, and these cartels are perpetuating violence in each of our states, even right here in South Dakota. Every GOP governor except Vermont's Phil Scott concurred to varying degrees of, intense, uh, of intensity. Altogether, 25 Republican-led states have signaled support for what Abbott is trying to do. So, too, has Trump. Well, you know what? If 25 states have done this, that's half the United States. Obviously, something's going on here. That means half the states agree with what's happening, what tax the stand Texas is taking. That means it has some legitimacy to it, doesn't it? I mean, we think that the entire... 
founding period was legitimate because you had people in these states that would say these are the things that happened. That gives it legitimacy. So this is legitimate. Not to the progressives. No, no, no. Because it's about power. Now, there's a, there's a, a part in the Constitution... Um, Article 1, Section 10, there is a section where in that where it, it has the powers denied to the states. right? So um, the powers denied to the states by the Constitution. Right? So if you go to Article 1, Section 10, uh, you get Clause 3. This is the text. No state shall, without the consent of Congress... So states can do these things if Congress says, but no state shall, without the consent of Congress, lay any duty or tonnage, keep troops or ships of war in time of peace, enter into any agreement or compact with another state or with foreign power, or engage in war unless actually invaded or in such eminent danger as will not admit of delay. So that last part is important. Okay, so states can't do these things unless they're invaded, or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. So Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 does not apply in this situation because Texas can say, well, well, they're being invaded, they're in imminent danger, and the other states can form a compact here with these states and say, you know what? You're being invaded. We're going to form a defensive compact because the United States government is derelict. It's not doing it. So we're going to send our troops down there and we're going to do these things. We're going to take care of it because the general government is ignoring its responsibility. It's neglect. It's negligence. This is an impeachable offense. I've said it on this show many times. But you know what? Philip Elliott or whatever his name is. Is that right? Philip Elliott? Yeah. Philip Elliott doesn't understand the Constitution. And in the echo chamber of conservative media, you can practically hear the clanging pitchforks readying the, for the revolution and unspooling even more razor wire. <gasps> oh my gosh, the pitchforks are out. I'm surprised it didn't say tiki torches. I mean, that would have been better. You could hear the, you could see the tiki torches burning, you know, because that would invoke the image of the far right. <laughs> but it's pitchforks now. Bunch of hayseeds out there with their pitchforks. Using the term pitchforks, I mean, it does give you the elitism of these people because, you know, pitchforks are a bunch of dumb hayseeds who don't know anything. If all this spikes your blood pressure, I mean, why? Think about it. Why would this even spike anyone's blood pressure? Heck, if somebody was pouring across... Think, think about Philip Elliott's neighborhood. Let's say wherever Philip Elliott lives. I don't know where he lives. And all of a sudden, all these people start just pouring into his area. He'd want to figure out what to do to stop it, right? But supposedly because this is happening in Texas, in a place he doesn't live, and he doesn't mean... It's, it's spiking his blood pressure. And he says it's entirely justifiable. Why? The rhetoric harkens directly back to Civil War area division. America's deadliest war should have settled the question of whether states could defy federal law, be it in defense of slavery or stricter border laws. Yet in Texas, that is viewed less as history than hype. It should settle the question. 
No, it shouldn't. In fact, it didn't. It didn't settle the legal question at all. But first of all, to say that the states defied federal law in defense of slavery, were they? Did, did any state, we'll just look at that just in a vacuum right there. Did any state during the war defy federal law if they were supposedly still in the Union, defy federal law in defense of slavery? What federal law would have made slavery illegal? Zero. In fact, there was a constitution going through the ratification process that would have made it illegal for the federal government to do anything about it. And of course, it already was. There's no power in the constitution that allows the federal government to control this issue. But anyways, I digress. Define Washington as a merit badge of its own in, South, in the South. During the Civil Rights era, governors used their opposition to integration to become celebrities and launch national campaigns. Schoolhouse steps became the must-have photograph for Southerners who wanted to prove they were tough in defense of whites' voter privileges, or whites' voters' powers, or whatever he's saying. See? See? It's all about race here. This is actually about race in Texas, because it was about slavery, now it's about segregation. These people live in a perpetual cosplay world. They do. They're LARPers. These days, Abbott and his imitators are looking to leverage the cause to promote their own national brands inside a part of that in recent years has been defined by hostility toward any capitulation toward immigrant rights. Immigrant rights. What are immigrant rights? If they're here illegally, the Constitution doesn't apply to any of it. So what are immigrant rights? I mean, these are big questions. If you're here illegally, in the United States, you have zero rights, according to U.S. law. At least it should be that way. We know that states and the federal government have said, oh, no, no, no. I mean, you've got to give them rights. Why? They've broken the law. They're not U.S. citizens. They have the rights of Mexico, whatever those are, or Honduras, or take your pick if they're coming from whatever country in the world. Guatemala, China, Iraq. Iran, wherever it is. I don't know where they're coming from. Russia, Germany. They have the rights of those countries back in their home country, whatever those are, but not here in the United States. They don't have any U.S. rights. They're not U.S. citizens. The 14th Amendment, as I said, is pretty darn clear on this. In last year's recent exit polls, 83% of Republicans said immigrants hurt the country. When asked their most important issue in these, those midterms, 73% of GOP voters cited immigration, being besting abortion by a three-to-one margin. So immigration is a huge issue. It's against that backdrop that local law enforcement at the Texas border blocked their federal counterparts from the U.S. Border Patrol from reaching parts of the border. The Supreme Court half-heartedly stepped in with a 5-4 to four ruling to say that federal officials could remove the razor wire and Abbott that Abbott had ordered installed, Abbott declined to heed it. Democrats said Abbott was illegally ignoring the court, and Republicans just as predictably cheered him on. What are they going to do about it? Right? I mean, we know that lefts, lefties have ignored the court for years on all kinds of things. They do it all the time. But in this case, well, we've got to adhere to the Supreme Court. Why? If it's a bad decision, which this one is, why? So then he get then, and here is Philip Elliott, the constitutional scholar. Nonetheless, the Constitution is pretty clear on the questions in play here. It is. Washington sets the policies about immigration. The feds are tasked with implementing them. Where does it say that in the Constitution? 
I mean, point it out, please. I'd like him to go in the Constitution where it says Washington sets the policies about immigration. They set the policies about naturalization. But naturalization and immigration are two different things. Now, we can go back to the prohibition on the international slave trade and say, okay, Congress could have a role in keeping certain people out. That doesn't mean they can say you have to accept everybody. States have a corresponding power to say who they can and cannot admit. Congress can say we can't admit these people, but it, that doesn't mean they, ha- they can say to the states you have to admit these people at all. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't say that. So show me in the Constitution, Philip Elliott, constitutional scholar with his degree in liberal arts, where it says in the Constitution this is the case. While states can pitch in, they cannot replace Washington's judgment. And and given the impasse over immigration legislation that is embedded in Washington, that often means presidents get to dictate the agenda and hope their successors keep some form of what they install. Where is this? Because there's an impasse in Congress, presidents get to dictate the agenda and hope their successors keep some form of what they installed in place? Where does it say that? Where is the dictator power in the Constitution? The Constitution is pretty clear. Where? You just said the Constitution. This is all... where, Where is the dictate power in the Constitution? Philip Elliott, constitutional scholar with a master's in liberal arts. Yet Abbott sees little downside to this fight, and he's clearly betting Biden will find a way to biff it. Find a way to biff it. Whatever the heck that means. Especially if he were to heed calls to send the National Guard to dislodge Abbott's roving force. Of course, I've covered this. He can't do that. This is the number one issue in America, Abbott said on Monday. Americans want a secure border. If Joe Biden federalizes our National Guard which would be illegal, that would be the biggest political blunder that you can make, and that's why I think he will not do it. Of course he can't, because it's illegal. He can't. Not in this case. He can't do it. He can't nationalize the the National Guard, federalize the National Guard. He can't do it at all. All this, of course, is playing out against the backdrop of Abbott signing off on billions of dollars in state spending with little to show for it. Thousands of Texas National Guard members and local law enforcement have blanketed the southern border, but it is not stemming, let alone stopping the migrants who are heading north in search of asylum. Critics have called the approach cruel, if not criminal. Well, they're keeping them out of Texas, aren't they? It's not stemming the tide, but yet they're just going further up the line. So, what does that mean? If it's keeping them out of Texas, then Texas has done its job. Greg Abbott has protected Texas. His job is not to protect Arizona or New Mexico. They can do theirs. Or uh, California or anywhere else. I mean, that's the job of those states to do that, isn't it? Or how about you know, the northern states uh, in, the, in the United States across the Canadian border? That's their job. Not Texas's job. Texas has done his... Abbott has done his job. If they're not coming into Texas anymore, then... He's done his job. For his part, Abbott says he would have officials shoot border crossers if he thought he could protect the officers from prosecution by the feds. All of it feeds Abbott standing inside a GOP that still hews toward Trump's hostility but could be in need of a new face for the effort in the coming years. That's why Abbott is trying, as Perry did more than a decade earlier, priming the pump for White House runs in 2012 and 2016 to cast himself as the new face of a tough border. For someone talking so openly about seceding from the country, Abbott is also 
putting in place component parts of his profile to lead it. Uh, just because you say Texas can leave doesn't mean that you couldn't be president of the United States because we know that other people thought this thing could happen too. Anyways, in the founding generation, who thought this was perfectly possible. But I digress. So, you know, uh, these, these pieces are great podcast fodder, but they're so embarrassingly bad. It's just a shame that you have people masquerading as authorities who don't really know anything, but yet they're going to make authoritative statements that are ridiculously stupid. All right. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brian McClaney Hinch Show. See you next time for the next one. See you then.